And hello good people of the internet, it is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures Movie. This episode I want to talk a bit about how my worldview or magical view or creativity and all of those things changed after I became a parent. Someone left a comment earlier today, asked me about this question about how uh, my, you know, my kind of magical outlook has changed and my beliefs in general have changed since becoming a parent. And I go, well that's a good question. I'll do a video about it. I'm not sure I really know, but it's, I definitely have changed. One thing that came very clear to me um, about having a kid is that uh, some of your old, some of my old kind of ritualistic habits around my depression and how I dealt with low moods and stuff like that um, dramatically changed. In that there was always a kind of get out clause that I had that no matter what happened, no matter how bad it got, I could jump out. You know, I could, I could end it all and I'd be away from it. And while that's pretty dark and uh, you know, not definitely not the best way to approach any of your life's problems or anything, that it was always kind of sitting in the back of my mind that that was an option, that there was always an option to get out of it. And since having a kid, that option's gone. And it's just like, it's just, just no, it's not on the table anymore. It's just not a thing that I can allow myself to even fantasize about. Not fantasize about is the wrong word, because that sort of sounds like you've a kind of a, idolation towards it, if that's the kind of thing where you kind of, you know, think it's uh, kind of fancy in a non, I suppose, non-good sense, not and in a non-wanting, in a non, I don't know what I'm saying, fancy in a non-good sense. Um, and so it's just that disappeared very quick, and any time some, and like, I mean, the first year of me having the uh, kid was very hard for me for a number of reasons, I spoke about it before, but um, it was one of, in many ways, one of the hardest years of my life. Not just because of having a baby, but that's, you know, that was, it's kind of having a life and then this thing in the middle of it, um, you know, just makes everything else harder. It's not that having a baby is hard, it's just doing everything around what you would normally do while looking after a baby makes cooking dinner a harder experience or whatever. People who have kids know what I'm all about. Um, and so that just kind of disappeared and there was no kind of, I had to find new way of kind of coping with things or with dealing with things that didn't involve this kind of get out clause. Ultimately, that's a good thing because it means that you have to kind of look at the world in a different way rather than kind of thinking that um, I don't have to face up to these things, that ultimately I can just run away. And when you take away the kind of thing of I can run away, then you have to face up to them or at least augment them or change them or in some way interact with them or push against them or fight against them to try and change it or equally to accept the things you can't change. And that was one of the things that kind of uh, was highlighted for me. It's a very kind of odd uh, outlook thing to have changed. Um, it's very hard to explain without kind of sounding quite dark in one hand or feeling sorry for myself or all of these things. Um, but what did happen then when the lockdown came in, and I think it's part of the same kind of structure, was that um, I realised that I had a choice in all of this. I had a choice to be negative, give in to the control, the fear, all of those things, you know, give in to the hysteria, the world is a terrible place, that uh, humans are shit, all of these things that I probably would have wallowed in or, you know, like kind of <laughs> hung around with, these like, like old friends, these old ideas, these kind of, in some way, comforting thoughts, even though they're extremely negative, they're like a comforting blanket. And there was a part of me that was kind of using these things not necessarily just as excuses, but as reasons. If you can tell, uh, notice the difference in why things didn't have to work out or life was, you know, the kind of the blame game, the victim thing. 
And I did an awful lot of work around victim playing and all that, including the therapy and all of these things I've talked loads about before on the, on the channel. But when it came to the lockdown, when it came to the, the kind of thing, I was very much obvious that I have a choice. You have a choice to fall apart here and give in to the dark, or you can start being positive about it and being grateful and appreciative and, you know, look at the good things in life rather than, you know, constantly looking at the negative things. And I chose to do the positive thing and it's been unbelievably different. Now, when I say the positive thing, I've made this point before, I'm not saying that it's looking at the world and pretending that it's okay and pretending that everything's perfect and that it's all, you know, amazing and roses and flowers and light and oh God loves us and isn't everything brilliant. It's realising the world is the way it is, but, you know, being still being okay with it, accepting it and instead of kind of only seeing the negative stuff, concentrating, focus on focusing on and pointing at the good stuff because there's a hell of a lot of good stuff but we have a tendency well I have a tendency I had a tendency to only ever look at the bad stuff for a numerous numerous reasons and that it's easy to do it's, it seems to be my default setting it seems to be um, mostly our default setting from what I can see from most people but not all people um, it's much easier to uh, view the world negatively in your life negatively in situations and events than it is to be positive about, about them. Well, at least it is for me in that it's, it takes a concerted effort to remain positive in the face of these type of things. And that's again, not saying that it's a false positivity. It's like the reality transurfing thing of what's the advantage here? And it's another way of saying it could be much worse, but it's pointing at the positive rather than the, it's at the negative. Whereas if you're in a situation says, well, it could be much worse. You go, well, it could, but that doesn't help me. But if you're in a situation it goes, well, what's, at least good about the situation you know what 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 you know what what are the advantages in it what are the positives within this kind of bad situation and it's a very different outlook even though it's kind of pointing at the same type of uh, idea so so that the main thing about my outlook about having a kid is this um realizing that how much of a choice i bring to the world and how i view it in seeing its beauty or not seeing its beauty and seeing the advantage or not seeing the advantages and in knowing that things, while we, you know, things could be much worse, things can be really an awful lot better just by me deciding they are and that me kind of being less critical of myself, of the world, of other people, just alone. It's like it's that new age hippie stuff that means, you know, People have been telling us for ages, but there's definitely a lot of internet. There's an awful lot of terrible hippie new age stuff that doesn't help at all. Victim blaming, spiritual bypassing, all of those type of things. And they're very close, you know, and you have to be very careful with these things. But other than that, I, I don't think, I don't think there's been much change in my magical kind of outlook or my creativity. I suppose the main thing that you notice when you have a, a baby is that you realize that everyone was once a baby. And that gives you a kind of a tolerance of people that I've never had before in that you realise that no matter who they are, they were once in the mother's arms. Well, we hope, you know, circumstances don't always allow, you know, that. But like, with, for the most part, you know, they were a baby looked after by mother and father, had, you know, loads of little fun games, little kind of outlooks. And even looking at why my wee man, he's just so full of joy and he's so happy and he's just, you know, the simple things make him happy, little toys, playing himself, you know, all these little kind of wonderful little things. And then now over the next couple of years, you're going to have to go, well, you know, life's a bit like this. And, you know, we kind of then enforce all of this society stuff. And mostly for him, you know, there's a lot of it for his protection and for able him, 
uh, to enable him to go out into the world and successfully navigate it and stuff like that. But I do seem feel that we take this lovely little innocent thing and destroy it in order for it to survive. And that's horrible when it, to, to realise that. And I don't, but I don't. It's not a. I was going to say it's unavoidable. It's we can definitely lessen the damage of that, and you know, try not. I was instilled with souls with an awful lot of fear, and um, that kind of worry and stuff like that that I definitely didn't need to do, but it's ingrained in who I am now, and that it's something I have to have to work on. So those type of things. I'm not sure there's anything else. I'm sure since I turned the video off, I'll have realised some other stuff, but they're just the ones that came to mind when I started um, blabbling <laughs> about what was going on. Definitely a wonderful experience, very hard experience. It's definitely the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's life-changing. You know, all the, all, like it's the thing that kind of, uh, no matter what anyone says to you before you have a baby, no matter what anyone kind of prepares you, no matter what stories you hear, and people do try to tell you an awful lot of horror stories. It's very odd. Uh, when we were pregnant, it was like people, <laughs> nine months of people telling us, you know, their horror stories. But I think it's trying to prepare you for this kind of a thing. But there's no words, no nothing can ever prepare you because all of the challenges and all of the joys and all of the, the love and the happiness and the positivity and, you know, all the bits that take so much out of you are all different than what you think they are. And there's no, it's just, you have to, you have to just go through it, ex, you know, experientially. There's just no way of preparing. And there's no way that anyone could have prepared me. Even, in, you know, even though I know the story, the very first time I locked eyes with, uh, with the baby. There's no one can prepare you for that because it's a feeling you will never have before. Um, at least I didn't. And all those little tiny little things like that that just, you know. My sister told me, and I don't know where she got it from, she said it, that uh, having a baby is like having your heart now on the outside. I think that's kind of a, a great way of, of explaining it. So that's it. It's very warm here today. I'm uh, sweating. Um, I have to close the windows when I do this, so it makes it extra, extra warm. And, uh, but no, nothing else going on. It's, it's good. I'm, I'm working well and getting a good headway into uh, the Unreal Engine, setting up all the pre-stuff for the comic. I have it all worked out. I know I keep saying this, I have it all worked out, but it's like we're getting closer and closer and closer and closer. It'll be very soon. Well, it'll be very soon. It'll be starting on it. It might be a while until uh, you get to read it. But the Patreon people will certainly see an awful lot of it before the general public. So there's, a, there's an advertisement for my Patreon. So good people of the internet. My hair is wet, it's that warm. Uh, I will talk to you tomorrow. Um, have a wonderful day and uh, may all of our best days be ahead. Be well. And hello good people of the internet, it is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo. This episode I want to talk about the idea of coning um, which is a map or medical assistance program uh, concept, but how we could steal it and use it for other things. So I have been talking recently about the whole idea of going full woo with this co-creative white brotherhood medical assistant program, which is a book from, I think originally about 1990, might be wrong in that, uh, which I've been talking about the last couple of days, but it's kind of the idea that you open yourself up to the good, uh, Mm, what's a good word? I can still can't settle on a good word. It's to call the White Brotherhood, which I just don't, I don't like. Um, uh, you open yourself up to the good guys of the universe, I suppose, of the world, or the people who are, you know, when you have the conspiracy that there's people secretly in charge of the world, uh, but it's usually a nefarious thing. Well, this is there's people in charge of the world, but it's a good thing. So it's like the Ascendant Masters, all of this type of stuff. 
so anyway, you align with these and you open yourself up to medical assistant, uh, assistance. But there's this kind of idea uh, in it that you can do it for other things. It doesn't have to be just for medical things. So you could open it up to the great wife brotherhood, um, you know, musician department. But there's the, the way they do it is, uh, is through a coning, which is an odd kind of name. I think it's trying to come something around vortex, that same type of thing. But it's essentially just a magic circle. It's the same type of idea. You set up a boundary and you invite people in or invite entities in. In MAP, you start uh, by saying, I want to set up a coning, which is just your intention. You say it out loud if you can or in your mind. It's just your intention of saying that, well, this is what I want to do. So, and then you invite who you want in it. And so no one else is allowed in because this is the rules you've set up and only the people or the entities that you want to be in are allowed in. So similar to the, the, the magic circle ideas. So you go, I want to set up a coning and I want to include in map, it's the overlighting diva of healing. So that, again, that's a bit like the grimoire kind of stuff where you go to the top dude uh, in the area you want. And then you kind of go, you know, like then that gives you the permission or the authority then to work with the kind of lesser beings who you're, you're, you're interacting with in some grimoire work. So the overlighting diva of healing is the person who's totally in charge of all healing. So you get in contact with them. Then it's Pan is introduced, which Pan is seen as the nature spirit, the god of all nature, or the person who's in control of all nature. My idea shows Pan is that he's universal. Anyone on the planet has access to Pan. Then you call in your medical assistant program and your higher self. And you then talk out loud and tell them what's going on and then as they do their thing you just you know say whatever it is that's going on oh i feel a sensation in my ear i have an itchy toe whatever <laughs> is going on then at the end you say i want to close this and i want to remove in you know the same people that you had brought in so i mean this could be very easily done with any kind of entities i suppose but uh, from my thing I suppose the 40 servants would be you know you say you're working on a problem and you want to do something then you would open up um, say I want to up, open, up a, uh, open up a coning with the 40 servants. And you have two kind of options, I suppose, at the beginning, or three, or any number, whatever you want. But the kind of two obvious ones, or the possible third obvious one of saying that at the beginning for the opening, um, you know, the equivalent of the overlighting or the grey thing, you would have the gatekeeper, I suppose, which is what would allow you to open up into all the other 40 servants. Or you would have the saint, I suppose, being that that's, he's the intermediary spirit. Some people don't like the saint because of the Christian kind of connotations and stuff and fine so find your own way around that saints probably is a, is a bit better to allow you access to the other ones because that's the way it worked in the initiation but the gatekeeper would work too as would the road opener being that a kind of a, a way of opening you could go with the witch too whatever feels the most comfortable for you i probably would go with the saints just because it's the whole point or the whole kind of he's all about intercession then the pan equivalent i would assume at that point is that you just bring in uh, whoever it is that you want to work with. Say, I want to work with the healer. So I, uh, I want this, this calling to include the healer, or I want this, this to include the healer and the sun, or whatever it is that you're working on, whatever kind of, it doesn't have to be healing. It could be any kind of thing. You know, you want to work on creativity, so you'll call in the idea. Then you would call in, rather than the medical assistance program, just leave that bit. Um, you could, I suppose in that bit, you could go call in any other 40 servants who, um, might be appropriate for the working I'm going to do. When you set up the coning, you could probably give your intention. I want to have a coning to help with my writing my new book. So that the kind of intention of the, of the ritual is set up from the beginning. So you could kind of leave then in an allowance for anyone else who thinks any other 47s that want to come in to uh, help with this, you know, that I have named, feel free. 
and then you call in your higher self, which you could use as the master as well, or just your general higher self, your HGA, whatever, some sort of connection with yourself. And then you just say what you want. And you, you know, you just say, go, well, I want some you know, creative ideas, or I want a healing, or I want some insight, or whatever it is. And you set out a time, kind of like a meditation. And then you allow insight or healing or whatever it is that you want to do to happen and then just, you know, give feedback as it goes along. Then at the end, you know, retrace your steps and remove everyone. It's worth considering. It's worth trying. Certainly very close to the way I work with uh, the Ford Servants anyway. So it'll probably something I will adapt and use in that way. Um, and of course, you could use it for other things, of course, and uh, for any kind of spirit work. But uh Leave that to, ex to you know, your own experimentation. Um, I predominantly work with 40 servants and stuff like that. So that's kind of as much as I would go on it. Um, so uh, I'd be interested to hear if you do use that kind of coning idea for uh, different spirits or angels or demons or whatever it is you want to do. But, you know, be safe. Don't, don't do things that you don't feel are safe. And uh, yeah, so let's, let's try these things and uh, see what you come up with. Bit of a short one today, but such it is. Just a simple idea, not much more you can ramble on. I could ramble on for another three or four minutes that make a uh, nonsense, and uh, I'll not do that for a change. So good people of the internet, until our next adventure, may your best days be ahead, and be well. Hello good people of the internet, it is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo and in this episode we're going to do another reading from Saint Stew and his book Infinite Self. This is step 12, 12, Your Word as Law. I've actually, back in the day, back when I was just a blog, did a number of posts about this uh, over in Adventures in Woo Woo. Um, it's something I find very, uh, very powerful and very relevant and something that we probably don't spend enough time thinking about. It's a simple idea. And uh, we just get into it rather than me blabbing about it. Your word as law. Establishing your word as law is important. The mind is used to getting away with a lot of promises it never intends to keep. You tell yourself you do this and that, and then you don't. You promise to pay your friend on Saturday and you forget, or you deliberately duck out of your obligation. It's important to establish your word as law onto yourself and others because that in itself becomes an affirmation of your ever-developing authority over the ego. If you say to yourself that you will do something, do it. Don't make promises you won't keep and don't make a promise to others if you can't or won't follow through. Become immaculate. Become honourable. A life without honour is not worth having. Don't commit if you don't have to. If you aren't sure you can follow through, you can always stall others saying, I'm not sure, call me in a week. People are used to that. But making your word law, you develop power. Sounds easy, doesn't it? Most people are not used to the word as law. They're used to wimping out, slip sliding away if, as if conditions don't if conditions don't suit them. It weakens them for the mind knows you're full of bull. As you start walking yourself, your energy becomes faster. In my book Miracles, I suggest that the total energy you express as a mind, body, spirit is an oscillation, one that is moving very quickly. I selected a hypothetical vibration of twenty thousand cycles a second as an arbitrary figure to describe the overall oscillation of an average person in the TikTok rhythm of life. There's no scientific way as yet to measure or quantify how fast people oscillate, so I picked a figure out of a hat. It serves only as a yardstick. I said if an ordinary person is at 20,000 cycles per second, the person who begun to work on him or herself might oscillate at, say, 25,000 cycles a second. And a person who's very evolved 
It's a very strong personal life, it might be 50,000 cycles. Beyond that, you might guess the energy of initiate to be 100,000 cycles a second or more. However you quantify it, you're a wave state that is oscillating through this physical experiences. As you walk in yourself, your concentration moves away from the mundane and towards the infinity of the spirit within. Your total energy moves up faster and faster. Your ability to materialize things in life becomes more and more instantaneous. At 20,000 cycles a second, a person has an idea to visualize or think about something they want, and 19 and a half later, years later, it may or may not occur. Once your energy starts going faster, any thoughts and feelings you have become reality extremely quickly. You think about the burning bush. There it is, burning in your hallway. Instant karma, positive or negative, depending on your focus. You are now grasping an immense power. Any errant, errant thoughts and suddenly a large turd is falling on your head from a great height. So your word is law requires you understand the need to protect your power. And with that comes responsibility. Whatever you put out is what you're going to get. So be careful not to use your thoughts and feelings in a flippant way. Part of this cleaning up your act requires that you don't make promises you won't keep. Don't say to yourself, I'm going to give up chocolate. If in an hour later you sit there and munch through an entire box. If you make a dis discipline, a law for yourself, follow through. If you don't feel confident about following through, don't make the law. When you're good and ready to give up chocolate, you will. Embrace your word as law and you'll see an immediate benefit as things begin to pop up effortlessly. Effortlessly. But you have to, uh, have to mean what you say, so choose your words carefully. Be purposeful and police what you think and feel. If any crud comes into your mind, pounce on it quickly and change it. Everything is reversible. Also, don't give people loads of bullshit. Don't talk gibberish. Don't talk about yourself. Come out of silent power. Listen to others. Talk about them. Don't make idle promises and don't agree to do things you're not going to follow through on. Become verbally disciplined. Don't show off. Don't boast. Don't exaggerate. Don't stay inside what you know is true and real. Basically, and this is me, don't lie. Stop lying. There's an entire month in the journey, which is a thing that we did on Patreon a couple of years ago, which you can still do now if you want, where we did spend an entire month not lying. It's very hard, as you can imagine. Next, get into a truthful dialogue with yourself. In other words, don't buy the bullshit the mind gives you. The mind says, yeah, we're doing fine. And you know you're not doing fine. The mind says, yeah, we're looking for a job. And you know you're not looking for a job. Yeah, we're going to, hand we're going to handle giving up chocolate. And you know you aren't going to give up chocolate and you've no intention of giving up. When you say to yourself, my word is law, you establish a dominance, an authority over the mind. So when you say something, you're going to follow through. Here's an exercise that will strengthen your will and help you along a bit. Pick a spot outside the garden or in a park, wherever, and find 12 stones. Tell yourself, I'm going to move these stones ceremoniously every morning at 7.01 a.m. for seven days for 15 minutes. Then pick up the first stone, walk slowly across the garden and place it down. Bow and say to the stone, thank you. Then walk across the garden, pick up the second stone and take it to the, over to the other side. Place it next to the first stone. Walk back and forth, taking all the stones across the garden. Now pause for a moment and pick up the first stone once more. Walk back across the garden and put it back where it was originally. Transfer all 12 stones back to the side of the garden again. If this all seems like a pointless exercise, you're right. It's supposed to be pointless. The mind will ask, why are we moving 12 stones across the yard? You tell it, shh, this is a spiritual way of getting stoned. You're strengthening your will and developing a personal law. It's irrelevant if your mind likes the idea or not, or if the exercise has a point or not. The idea is to establish yourself as a lawgiver in the realm of your consciousness. You're saying, this is my law. At 7.01am, every day for seven days, I will ceremoniously move stones. 
This exercise has the effect of not only establishing you as a disciplined dominant force, but it also allows you to override the discomfort the mind may go through. The mind won't like hauling stones, especially if it's raining. These actions involve work and they're outside its normal legislation. At this point, you dismiss the discomfort rather than accommodating the ego by saying, by say, staying in bed. Set a discipline like the stones and do it for seven days. You need to see that your word is law. If you don't have a garden near you, you could instead move 100 books on and off the bookshelf during uh, dusting each one as you go. Do it exactly at 7.01am or whatever time you like to decide. Do it for seven days. In establishing the idea of my word is law, you improve your ability to materialise things you want in your life. You understand that when you come up with a thought or feeling and when you express it mentally or verbally, it's going to appear in your life. Because you're powerful, you can materialise your consciousness. The boundary between your internal world and the inter your internal world and the external world has melted. You have less definition. You see yourself as infinite, so the miraculous is not only possible, but expected. There's no more inside and outside. There's only one infinite consciousness that describes all reality. The ego's function is to separate you from others, defining you by creating a mental and emotional distance. As you move towards the infinite self, you're exiting the ego's world to join with an inner energy, not just your inner energy, but all of the people of the planet and cosmic energy in all things. In that joining, you will be able to pull things to you, benefits, opportunities, creative possibilities. You will pull them to you unexpectedly from a great distance. The ego, living as it does in a limited 3D world, has to get things, it has to find things. It's required to struggle to materialize things, it has to force things to happen. It needs to sell itself. Rather than forcing things to happen, see the whole of the planet being inside you, a part of you. When I say to you, stand tall, be a big person, I mean become big hearted, expand your mind, expand your feelings to incorporate everything. If you are infinite, you are everywhere. Be everywhere, be everything. Once you are everything and through the connection of your infinite self are connected to everything else, materialization, materializing things is easy. You're only reaching for different parts of yourself. So you'll have an idea and suddenly you're on a train with some person sitting across from you think, my God, he's good looking. I wanted a soulmate and here I am sitting right across a perfect candidate instantly. Perfect mundo. When you want to know how fast your energy is oscillating in life, notice the speed at which things materialize. This will tell you if your energy is speeding up or not. As you take to this discipline, be careful what you ask for and what you say. If you say to yourself, this life is a bunch of crud, plonk, the great goo goo board drops one from the sky in your head. If you say, this situation is a pain in the rear end, you'll soon find yourself buying hemorrhoids depositories at the camps. Since your word is law, never, take, never think or talk in terms of things being hard, evil, ugly or difficult. Avoid words, words like impossible, worrying, trouble and problem. Your problems are not problems, they are challenges. Refer to them correctly and clean up your act saying, hey, I feel great, I'm eternal, immortal, I'm universal, I'm infinite, I feel abundant. When people say, do you see the ugliness here? You reply, no, I see the hummingbird hovering over this flower. Isn't that beautiful? When people say, do you see the depravity over here? You say, no, I hear laughter and I see the chubby legs of children run across the playground. Please your thought forms and don't make promises you can't keep, especially when you're in a dialogue with yourself. Now, there's a few things I just want to say about that. This whole notion of materialising things come close and being in the perfect place and all that. While I have experiences of that, there's a, a kind of a caveat that goes with us, and I've talked about this in numerous places before, but it's just don't expect just because you've worked on yourself, you become a better person, that you're very spiritual or whatever it is, or that you've, you know, 
done certain mental anxiety. Once you show up, then everything is just going to work out for you. I think that's kind of um, a bad thought to have because it doesn't work out like that uh, most of the time and it leads to frustration. When you're working yourself and you do meditation and you, you, know, you start doing things of your word as law and you start trying to change your inner dialogue to have a bit more positive outlook, things do change, but it doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen in all occasions and it doesn't... You can become kind of uh, feeling a bit... Uh, like the, you know, it's a, there's an expectation of the world to uh, do things for you. You know, it's a bit of a privileged kind of outlook you kind of have because you go, oh, I'm so spiritual. These things have to, you know, work out. And it kind of happened to me in my art where I kind of felt that because I had put in the effort, because I'd shown up, that the universe would just suddenly bow to me and give me everything I ever wanted. And of course it didn't, and it shouldn't. Well, maybe it should, but it didn't. <laughs> um, and that left me an awful lot of frustration and sadness and unhappiness. But that's not to say that when you engage with things like your word is law, when you start taking your word as being very serious and you keep your promises and you uh, don't say things that you don't mean, that you don't lie, that you don't exaggerate, all of these things he talks about, things certainly do change and your word does seem to have more gravity in the world. Not just with people, but certainly with people and with, you know, you become more trustworthy as a man of his word, a woman of his word. And, but... In, in your magic, in your woo, in the sense things, things do have, you, you carry more weight, you command more. And there's more, there's kind of a lot to be said in that kind of commanding of spirits is that you have the authority to command them rather than you command them in the sense of, you know, I'll get them to do it to what I want by, you know, because I'll tell them to, it's because you command them, that you have command over them rather than you tell them what to do, which is kind of how I see this kind of thing of your word of law stretches into. So that's another one from Stuart. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, if you have any kind of uh, ideas of books I could read, please let me know. Of course, that you, we have to keep the whole copyright thing in uh, mind as well. I'm very cheekily reading Stuart Wilde's book, but it, it, there is an awful lot of it on YouTube already. So I assume it's not been hunted down, even though it is under copyright. But if you have a book, if you have a magic book that you'd like me to read, please, uh, Send me it or tell me about it if I already have it, even better. So, good people of the internet, until tomorrow, may your best days be ahead and may you start to see your word as having power and that every time you lie, exaggerate or go back in a promise that you are diminishing yourself. So, be well. And hello good people of the internet, it is I, Tommy Kelly. This is Adventures in Woo Woo. In this episode I want to talk a bit about me as a musician. Because it's something that has come back into my life recently and it's kind of revealed a bit about my past which I wasn't aware of. When I was growing up, when mostly through my teenage years, when I had kind of decided that I wasn't going to do art because I had an art teacher who just kind of put me off art for long, for, in a lot of ways and just kind of didn't Literally for the five years I had him taught me nothing about art or taught anyone about art. We had a, a kind of a sub-teacher in for two weeks and was, taught us loads of stuff about all the stuff that you can teach people uh, about art, about figure drawing, about anatomy, all these things. She tried to do some within those couple of weeks that she was there and we learned, I certainly learned more in those two weeks than I did in the entire five years with the other art teacher. He just didn't seem to, as, as far as I was concerned, didn't seem to you know, know anything, but talking to other people who've had, uh, you know, have gone to uh, secondary school in Ireland, none of the art teacher seems to know any of the things that you could easily teach people about drawing. 
Now go to any kind of YouTube channel about art, with figure drawing, anatomy or any things and there's tons of technique and things that you can teach people whereas we were just told to sit there and you know draw a flower or whatever it is for five years. So I kind of put my whole wanting to be an artist thing out the window. That and there wasn't the chance of you know the, uh, there wasn't really the money there for me to go to art college anyway and I'd have to spend a year or maybe a couple of years trying to save up money to go and stuff like that and the whole thing just didn't feel appealing to me whatsoever. So what happened is I started getting into music an awful lot more and music seemed like my out from my way of making a kind of a statement to the world of becoming, I don't know, somewhat, I was a very, let me see, naive teenager, very kind of not clued in, kind of shy, very, very average, very, you know, normal, um, a bit, probably a bit odd uh, in the different kind of things and not cool, certainly not cool. Uh, and playing guitar kind of got me into the cool kind of section of, of, the, of people at school because it kind of made me jump through a little kind of social hierarchies just because I became pretty good at guitar pretty quickly and so then it was you know something that I could kind of interact with people some of the cooler people and you know join bands and all that kind of stuff so it was something that became very important to me something that I felt that I could make a kind of a mark or maybe this is what I wanted to do and I just entirely love music and I still to this day think that um, music is the highest form of magic. But along the way I got into bands, recorded some albums and did tours and recorded I think five or six solo albums, a number of EPs. Um, and that was all great and I really enjoyed it. Never went anywhere unfortunately. Maybe fortunately, I don't know if I would really have um, done well with any kind of level of fame. Um, I don't think it would suit me too much. Like I kind of like niche kind of fame, you know, like not, not, you don't want to be a rock star or famous. Like you can understand why people like Kurt Cobain or whoever had a hard time dealing with it or any of these people. And uh, so maybe in hindsight, it's a better thing that I never became the rock star that I wanted. But what happened along the way through all of this and then through becoming a sound engineer, because it was the best I could do. I couldn't make money from being a rock star from a lead guitar player or whatever. So I became a sound engineer to kind of fund doing the other stuff and then that became the main thing I was doing and the, the other you know the, the singer songwriter stuff kind of fell away the band kind of fell away and I was just a sound engineer and then towards the end of being a sound engineer I did it for more than 10 years I was kind of trying to get back into bands but I was trying to get into cover bands and there's a load of things kind of happened and people I was kind of hanging around with and all that that it just came to that I just needed the full break from the whole thing and I never really got my love back for it I did try to set up a band after that, but again, it was the cover band thing and we did a couple of gigs and it just seemed like, oh, what's the point? It was, it was coming to a kind of a stage where the money that pubs used to have and venues used to have to pay for bands was going away and it was coming back to kind of the DJ stuff and, you know, single one man bands. And it just seemed an awful lot of effort for very little reward. So then recently, I, uh, um, the last couple of years, I just completely entirely give up playing guitar or any kind of music whatsoever. My guitar was up in the upstairs spare bedroom for three, four years, hadn't touched it, gathering dust. And it just felt like a whole different world away from anything I'd been into. And when I went to therapy there recently, uh, the last therapist, the, the guy I had, uh, I had a couple of sessions with, who was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. He was, sort of mentioned that came up, music came up, which is very odd because in the entirety of whatever was the, I don't know, four or five months I had with the other therapist, music never came up once. And it's, you know, a very significant part of my life. And immediately the new therapist got to that straight away. And you know, I was just telling him about that, you know, it didn't work out or I had kind of, you know, that kind of had lost. And he was like going, oh man, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. 
And there's something in me that just went, holy fuck, there's something there that like I haven't looked at. There's some kind of sadness or darkness or something I haven't worked out that I thought was kind of done with just in the past. And I kind of just went, well, I'll just leave that there for a minute because I don't know what that is at all. It, it seemed very strange. And of course, other things come up and he's a wonderful therapist and it kind of got interrupted by uh, the lockdown and hopefully I will get back to talk to him again for a few more sessions, at least when, when it's over. But even what I've done so far with him has been, you know, it definitely has uh, coloured my experience of the lockdown in a much more positive frame than it probably would have had I had not had those couple of chats or those couple of sessions with him. So over the last while of getting really into music again and it was kind of, not that I was ever out of it, but there was kind of the, the yearning in me to kind of come across, to do, play, maybe play guitar or do something or want to express myself again. And about a week ago, I took my guitar down from the spare room and I brought it into the office here and I started playing. And the first day it wasn't fun at all. It was just kind of, oh, not, not that the rustiness or not being able, it was just like, going, oh, I thought this would be fun. I thought I'd pick it up and I'd feel, you know, oh yeah, here we go. This is great. And I just kind of felt... Uh, not fun, not anything. But I persevered with it and kept going over the couple of days. And then today, and particularly actually yesterday, I was playing and a kind of like an old friend came back. And I've just kind of, oh, I remember this. I remember how this feels. I remember how my body reacts to playing. I remember how my mind, my emotions, all of this kind of just comes out through it. And it just kind of the whole gravity of how important music was to me and being a musician and how much... Um, that kind of uh, that who I was as a person depended on this musician and how I kind of described myself or seen myself or there was so much of who I was who I, I, you know over the years that I was like oh I forgot in a way I forgot all about how how big that was and I was like oh wow this is you know it's like a whole side of me that I've completely neglected and then today and yesterday I was kind of coming across because I started trying to sing again because I was always a fan of singing and I did do singer-songwriter for a number of years and recorded solo albums as I said um, but I was trying to sing and what I know and excuse my email going off in the background I forgot to mute the computer but um, what I noticed uh, was that when I was trying to sing and particularly hit high notes or whatever immediately as I went to hit a high note or a harder note I would have visions of people uh, things that have happened, not just kind of fantasies, but to, of people slagging me off because of my singing or kind of laughing at me or m wanting me to kind of, in some way, you know, go, what are you at? Look at you, you're making a fool of yourself or whatever. And this kind of thing was hitting, was stopping me hitting a note or stopping me being able to express myself. And I'd kind of give in uh, or, or not give the required effort or I'd stop trying just so I wouldn't make a fool of myself in the office here with no one around. And it was all this kind of mental kind of thing going on that particular that I noticed that when I was trying you know sing certain songs that I would just go back to moments in my life where people kind of slagged me off or were in the room and kind of laughed if I made a mistake and I felt oh that's very weird that's kind of I didn't know why I was carrying that around with me and the same thing happened today with guitar when I was playing and I started thinking of the different people who I had interacted over over the years and different guitar players and different musicians and how it all kind of made me f lose so much of my confidence in myself and my music because I was kind of, that whole thing of where they were trying to keep their position in the world and you know keep the, uh, the ego going or kind of be seen as the good guitar player in a way it kept me down and I kind of allowed that to happen and so even when I was playing and I started reliving these type of things I could feel my, you know, one, my kind of enthusiasm waning but also that my hands just didn't seem to want to do it. There was just kind of this... 
sense of failure or the sense of lack of enthusiasm or just kind of wanting to give up or you know just going what's the point and all of this and it's just kind of very interesting that this kind of all then started tumbling out about just how I had allowed people over the years to completely destroy my love of music because I believed them and because of you know eagles and bands and people um, I suppose not supporting me maybe in the way that I, I probably needed or wanted which mean which is fine people don't have to but I it was kind of I allowed all of that to destroy this kind of you know and there's my guitar falling and um, to destroy the kind of light within me that was around this whole musician thing and that I kind of allowed other people to dictate my um, relationship with music that along with uh, a lot of other things but it just seems something that I have to unpack that even within my playing within my singing within how I kind of view it that I no longer viewed myself as a musician and it all seems to stem from this kind of total lack of confidence in myself as a musician coming from the years that I spent in the music industry in the small capacity that I did. I find that very interesting and I wonder what other parts of my life I'm doing that with. with. I know music was like the hugest part of my life for so long that it's going to have a bigger impact than other things but I assume I have done that in other ways where I have allowed things people have said, people have slagged me off or I felt not confident enough and all of that to, um, to allow me to you know, become disassociated with a huge part of myself. So as I was playing today, just singing a song, writing a song or whatever, and I just kind of said, this old friend, this old person, this whole part of me that I haven't, um, haven't sensed in a long while. And it's kind of not to, be, you know, get back into music to become the rock star, to become whatever it is, to get the validation that I probably wanted when I was 16, 17, or whatever it is, or, you know, in my 20s to be seen as, you know, uh, a contemporary or to be seen as good as the people around me to try and fit in all of it. It's not none of that. It's to try to express myself. The same thing when I talk about the comics, like it's try to get the thing, whatever it is, it's inside me to an exorcism. And this is a way of its release out into the world. And I mean, I used to find gigs a huge exorcism, which I don't have that outlet anymore at all because I just don't, you know, there's no performance or whatever. And uh, so I missed that and I didn't know how much I missed that. I didn't know how intrinsic all of that was to me as a person. And I kind of had thrown all the bat, all the babies out with the bat water because of, in a sense, allowing to believe what other people told me about me in regards to who I was as a musician. That's very sad. I find that very sad. And But it's something I'm glad I realised because I could have went my entire life not realise like that and maybe I won't get mad into music in the same way as I want but I won't hate it and I won't shun it and I won't feel as bad about it and I will have I will kind of will reclaim it and will reclaim the kind of feeling of being a musician so it's interesting and uh, yeah as you can see there's still there's a lot of emotion kind of peeking out through the corners here and this one so it's obviously something I need to work on or say work through or explore a bit more and who knows Maybe I will record a new album uh, at some stage. <laughs> the last time I recorded an album, I played it for a friend of mine and uh, he literally told me, shit, <laughs> handed me an acoustic guitar and told me to play something else. And so that was kind of the nail in the coffin of all the things. That was pretty much the decision I made at that point when that happened, that I wouldn't do anything music again. That's five years ago. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes. I also, it's funny, isn't it? I also said that uh, I would never do comics again, that I had that, everything I wanted to say had been said. And, uh, 
that I kind of had felt dislocated and dis disenchanted by the whole of comics thing. And again, I'm coming back into it. It's as if I needed this kind of break in my life. And when I took the break from the comics and the, the music and all of that kind of things, the magic, you know, came out. It flowered. It came out a bit more. It became more of my kind of a, a thing. And now the other stuff seems to want to fold back into the mix and go, you forgot about me. Hello. Plenty of work to do yet. So yeah, I just thought I'd uh, just make a video of it to mark the, the kind of the realisation that, uh, you know, there's still music in me, man. So good people of the internet, I hope you haven't let go of your music or whatever is the equivalent to you um, just because of other people or circumstances or, you know, feeling being too hard on yourself or maybe your dreams didn't work out the way you wanted. So you just kind of, you know, threw the whole thing out or whatever. Maybe there's some part of it that you could reclaim. So, until tomorrow, may your best days be ahead and be well. And hello, good people of the internet. It is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo Woo. And at this episode, it's going to be the very last uh, episode about my eyes. I promise you, this is it. The story's over. It's all been kind of pretty much sorted. So I finally got to collect my glasses today, and uh, this is them. So these are the glasses I now have to wear anytime I'm on the computer or when I'm reading. Well, when I say anytime, it's he said to uh, the optician said that I should wear them as, as I feel the need. Now, the weird thing about them is that um, they make everything kind of lopsided or the angles has changed uh, on how I view things, particularly like my tablet or my drawing tablet, and then the screens, they all kind of have a very different uh, placement in the geometry of the world. And my keyboard, if I look at it, seems to be higher on one side than the other. So I quickly rang the optician and went, eh, this is weird, is this what is meant to be happening? And she said, I'll just look at your prescription. And I have uh, astigmatism in uh, both eyes, protect one more in my left eye, or it's higher in my left eye, whatever's the proper way of describing it. It's more pronounced in this eye than it is in this eye. And it just makes, basically means that my brain for the last while has been compensating by trying to make the world uh, correct. But actually, the, the, my, my, my eyes are seeing it slightly lopsided. So the, these uh, are, are overcorrecting it as far as my brain is concerned. It's kind of doing the opposite. So she says it'll be about a day, two days at the most um, before, uh, you know, your brain will adjust to it and it'll be all back to normal and you'll be able to see better. But it's really weird because like when I look at certain things the more sharper than the not, not more sharper obviously the more sharper because it's the reading thing but say you're looking at a series of lines and some of them if they're particularly if they're in a, a circular formation some of them will be darker than others and they're all meant to be the same kind of level of darkness and that's part of the this astigmatism which is basically the thing in your eye is just not perfectly circular so when I was looking at some things, uh, particularly in comics and lines, you ca I can see uh, a more definition in it. So it'll be interesting now to go back to my uh, old comics and stuff and see if everything's kind of <laughs> skewed a bit to one side or whether uh, any of the art I do now will ha have a different kind of... Because when I look at the drawing tablet, it definitely looks like that rather than straight. But I assume I will get, you know, I will get that used to that. The other thing I got was these drops, which are high-low high jewel. I was using Hilo Forte, but they seem to sting my eyes and a lot of the kind of irritation from my eyes seems to maybe, maybe, possibly have come from that. Because when I switched to this, that, that, that kind of stuff cleared up very quick. The burning, the 
feeling like someone was peeling onions beside my, my face, all that kind of went. And I did kind of use the other drops again, just because they were beside the sink when I was going to bed and I had left my other drops at home. And immediately I had to close my eyes and it was as if someone had poured salt into my eyes. So I don't know, but these have uh, sorted all that out. So yeah, it's good to uh, get these glasses, get them finally done. They have the anti-glare thing, but they don't have the blue light. That, uh, which was one of the things that kind of started in this eye journey was looking into these blue light things or the anti-blue light glasses. And I asked the optician, optician, why can I not say that word? Optician about it. And he says, well, I don't have them. I don't have them in my glasses and we don't sell them here because we don't have, you know, the evidence just isn't there from being a thing. And that any of the science that he has seen seems to be a bit fudged in some direction or has been funded by people who sell anti-blue light glasses. He says, you know, maybe it will, will come that out that it is a thing, but at the minute the science just isn't there for it. Then I was reading another thing about saying how much we need blue light to, uh, to coming in and it's to, to be blocking it is a bad thing. So, ah, oh, I don't know. It's like uh, when you try to read any kind of science stuff these days on the internet, you can find complete opposite, you know, articles, depending on, I suppose, what you want to believe. But can we just have the actual truth for some of these things? But that is the nature of the world we're in now where a conspiracy, which used to be kind of, you know, on the f for fringe dwellers or people on the kind of outside has now become mainstream and the actual world is uh, as much conspiracy filled as it is mainstream media filled. It's all the same pendulum though, don't forget. So that's it about my eyes. This is, as I said, the very last video, but I thought it was important to uh, just cap it at the end <laughs> for those people who were really excited or really, you know, uh, needed to know the end of this uh, Tommy's eye problem journey. My eyesight isn't that bad, uh, going by the optician, um, that it's if there were a kind of a, a weak magnification, but the, the astigmatism thing seems to be something that I, uh, I need as well. So I can see things are more clearer, but not in a, then when I put on the old reading glasses, the kind of cheaper ones that I had been getting, um, they made things bigger, but didn't make anything kind of clearer. But these definitely make things clearer. Apart from everything now, has a very weird geometry to it. And it looks like right now, as if there's a, or a hump in the floor that I have to go up a hill and down a hill. Anyway, so uh, hopefully it'll be uh, great for me and uh, the strain and all of that can be uh, reduced from now on. Looking forward to getting back to reading properly at night. When I'm in bed, it was my favourite time to read. I used to read a couple of hours in just the last month or so. Just, it hasn't really been any fun. I've mostly only been able to read comics, and only certain comics. If the font was ever too slow, it just or too low, it just it was very hard to read. Not again, I could read it, but it was just, it was a struggle, and it was a kind of everything became sharp. Uh, but it, which is which is odd now because when I take things off, I take things off, and I take the glasses off, they become everything becomes a bit soft. So it's kind of the opposite. There you go. That's my glasses journey. Um, thank you for coming along with me on this uh, immense, almost filmic quality and, you know, in scope. And, uh, you know, it's like the hero's journey of Tommy and his eye problems. So good people of the Internet, may your eyes be perfectly healthy and may all parts of your body be perfectly healthy. And if you do have to go on an eye journey, may yours be uh, resolved much quicker than mine. So good people of the Internet, may your best days be ahead and be well. And hello, good people of the internet. It is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo Woo. And in this episode, I'm going to do another 47th reading around the whole pandemic, the lockdown, and uh, what my approach to it all should be. I've done three so far, so this will be the fourth one. This might be, maybe, who knows, depends what the future is, 
um, the last one I do. The first tree I found very helpful and it was very good advice and steered me well through the this, this, uh, entire, whatever this is, this uh, journey. And um, it seems now that it's definitely coming into the, the end goal of it or the end game of it. Um, the tide is certainly turned and we're in Ireland here, we're definitely like we're in the kind of opening up phase. In Poland, the pubs are open, the restaurants are open and things are all kind of as much as normal going back to normal. But let's not go back to normal. Let's go back to a new normal that is much better than the old normal. But anyway, that's for another video, I suppose. So I thought I'd do a 47th reading just to see what they might have to suggest me and what my this next phase, what I should concentrate on, what should I look out for and what I should be aware of. Um, so yeah, let's do that. Give it a good old shuffle. Hope you are well. It's lovely and sunny here today. It's lovely and warm. And uh, all is uh, pretty good. Yeah, I'm still, still most part enjoying the lockdown. Uh, apart from all the, you know, the not seeing the family bits and friends and all that kind of thing. But uh, I got a lot done. It was very productive. I enjoyed the sort of downtime of, uh, it wasn't really downtime, it was because I worked like as much as I would have worked. But uh, the mental downtime or something, there was something, the, the psychic chatter downtime. You know, there was something very calming and serene about the whole thing. Less so over the last couple of weeks because it's obviously come back into the everything opening up and things becoming busier and all that. But anyway, enough of me rambling. Ooh, okay. So here we go. First card. The Hilo. The Hilo came up before. So this is to, again, to have a look at the idea of using whatever's left as a form of healing as well and to be aware of healing. And of course, there's many things going on during the lockdown for me. I'll not mention the eyes, I, I swore I wouldn't uh, mention it again, but a couple of other things as well. I ended up going to the, um, the doctor and got a few things checked out and stuff like that. And of course the MAP stuff I've been doing, which is the medical assistant program, part of the, the co-creative white brotherhood, all that woo stuff. I was about to say nonsense and then had to crack my brain. Um, the woo gloriousness that is MAP. Um, I've still been doing that and I'm finding hard the last couple of days to engage with it and my sessions are getting um, smaller and smaller. I think yesterday's one was like six minutes before I just couldn't take it anymore. It's just because my brain is going mad. I'm doing lots of other stuff, uh, creative stuff and getting back into music and stuff like that, that I'm just kind of sitting there wanting to do stuff. So this I would say uh, as a call to remember that this is meant to be a, a, a section of healing involved in, in uh this whole thing be that be you know if you want to look from a greater kind of outer macrocosm than just me as a microcosm it's like the skies are so much clearer pollution is so much less you know you see all those facebook posts of you know for the first time in 400 years you can see the moon from jim's basement or you know because the skies are so clear or whatever it is but you know this idea of a kind of a reset or not even reset but a, a relaxed and you know just a bit of a time for healing so i have to incorporate a bit more into it in the last while and then going forward into the new world to have it still that I um, have that kind of a mentality going in that there should always leave time for healing and so maybe it would be a thing to keep at my map stuff and maybe come up with some other stuff someone was mentioned Reiki someone was watching the Reiki videos I'd done from last year and mentioned the Reiki book which they said was good that I found an audiobook so I might, uh, might get back into Reiki who knows how woo I will become oh that came out, the depleted. Now that came up the last time, so that's interesting too. So in that, in that I was came to think of was like kind of confused me for a while, but it was like um, be aware of burnout, but it's also being aware of that it's trying to that there's this element of trying to remove stuff, to finish stuff, to put things to rest, 
to remove the energy entirely from some, some, the word preoccupation is in my head, so I'm just going to say it, so it's to some sort of, it's like trying to, if you were looking at it from a kind of like a, 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 a conspiracy point of view, the, the kind of depletion would be like trying to deplete, you know, the economy or something like that. But it's, it's like, that's what, you know, the conspiracy said is one of the many things the conspiracies are saying conspiracies or uh, people are saying about it but it's like it's trying to come to make sure something ends entirely and so from a kind of a microcosm level it's trying to i would say to make sure that the kind of lessons i've learned or the type of things that i'm bringing through me say my shadow work and stuff like that that i'm to really kind of have a look at that and make sure i don't bring that with me anymore to deplete all of that now to get all of that out of the way so that when the next section happens that it is depleted. That's a very pro-positive kind of reading, so um, which I want to take. But we have to keep in mind too that it might also be suggesting that this is some sort of way of trying to deplete my energy or there is something depleting my energy or I have to be aware that um, something has come to an end that I don't want to come to an end or something. Interesting that both of those things have come up before, the healer and the depleted. So... Um, so I so saw you could see if the healer and the depleted would begin, the healing is in a, uh, meaning that you have to let something go. You have to let something, the season of something has to go. Uh, you know, you have to get on to the new season and uh, that's the way it is. So from that kind of thing where we've talked before about, yeah, not mentioning the eyes, but you know, this whole idea of getting older and stuff like that, it just has to be an allowance of that, that the new, to allow the new season. And holding on, trying to remember the spring is only going to cause pain and suffering as you go, trying to remember someone, as you, as you go into autumn and all of these things start coming, you know, the leaves falling off the trees, all of that. So there's things to be said and taught about in that, in this kind of correlation between healing and depletion. And trying to see both a positive and a negative, you know, what's the good side of, of uh, you know, depletion and what's, what could be possibly something I need to worry about or haven't been looking at. So that's interesting. So the final card. fortunate see this is why when it comes to the depleted and particularly in the last one as well i can't remember exactly i know it's the heel or something and the uh, and the depleted maybe it wasn't the last one but it was one of them why i don't think it's such a negative thing where you would immediately go with the depleted why i'm not going with say the conspiracy kind of angle of it's trying to take something away from me or you know remove my energy it's because it's surrounded by nice cards so you have the healer you have a depletion and you have the fortunate so you have to the healing will lead to a dissipation lead to an end which leads to good fortune so it seems highly unlikely that it's the depletion would be a bad thing although in the moment of course it could feel like a bad thing in the way that an end of a relationship can feel devastating and the worst thing in the world but then a year later you realize just you know how good it is to be out of that relationship or a job or whatever it is but in the moment of losing that job it's a disaster it's terrible it feels like the worst thing in the world so yeah, so healing, a depletion, and that leads to good fortune. So overall, it's a positive, very positive kind of um, outlook um, with the kind of notion that there is still some mechanism still happening, there's still some process, there's still something being carried on, particularly with the two cards from the last, or at least the previous reading, about um, 
around the depletion. There seems to be something I'm just sticking with on that depletion that I don't seem to be grasping or don't seem to be understanding or maybe I'm trying to make it bigger than it is or not. I don't know. Something I'm going to have to let kind of sit through my brain and kind of sieve down into something but to be very aware as it came up twice. So have you been doing any readings? Have you been doing any kind of intuition or what's your thoughts around it? Does it feel like it's coming into an end and for you maybe it isn't? I know when I'm kind of talking about these uh, things I've said at different times that you know the tide is turned or there seems to be different things and then you look at different places and it's definitely not. This is definitely from my perspective here now like last week we did start um, the first stage of our coming out of lockdown. We five phases that we're going to go through until we're back to normal but um, it's you know, it definitely is coming out of this here, but in other places it doesn't seem to be, even in places where uh, it seems to be an awful lot worse, uh, people seem to be coming out of, I don't know, I don't know the, the overall kind of picture, I've less and less been paying attention to it over the last couple of weeks, um, just because I'm trying to remove myself from that entire pendulum. So, but it'll be interesting to hear what you think of what have come up, what has come up for you, your thoughts, in your divinations, your general kind of outlook, and what you think about the whole notion of the healing depletion kind of thing. What do you think I'm missing? What's going on there? Why did, it's interesting it's come up twice, obviously. Um, am I trying to take too much of a positive spin of it? Or am I ignoring too much of the, uh, a negative thing? It seems a kind of a rational thing to look at a positive, given the other cards that have always come around it. But uh, let me know, see what you think. Um, and uh, we go from there. So, good people of the internet, that's the fourth reading. Perhaps there will be a fifth reading for these Corona Diaries. Perhaps there won't. But uh, that's where we are for the minute. I just felt right to do a reading there. So, good people of the internet, may your future be full of fortune and healing. And if you do need to have a depletion, may it be for your betterment. Um, may your best days be ahead and be well. Good people of the internet, it is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo Woo. This episode, I want to give another update on the whole map thing that I've been doing, which is the medical assistance program of uh, the co-creative White Brotherhood. I have some previous videos um, over the last couple of weeks about this. Starting, and I know I said there'd be an embargo in talking about my eyes <laughs> since the, the the kind of last uh, video about my eyes. I kind of have to talk about it in regards to this map thing. So I started said I was going to do a map thing, which is kind of a very woo, um, new age kind of idea of a healing modality where you ask your spirit helpers and this, you know, the spirit of nature in the form of Pan and divas and this to come in a kind of a meditative state and uh, heal you. I did it because I, I was having problems with my eyes and it was going to be a week before I got to the opticians. So I said it's a perfect time to kind to try and, you know, try this out in the meantime, because I'm waiting on proper you know, um, medical advice, but uh, so try some of the woo. And of course, um, my eyesight didn't suddenly miraculously improve. But what I did kind of said in the end when one of the sessions was before I was going into the um, actual eye test, whatever, was that um, put my eyes in a situation or in the kind of state that would need to be to get the best out of the um, eye test. So that if, if it was a case that my eyesight suddenly became perfect for the eye test and I passed it, then it's not much use to me if the next day they kind of go back. So be the exact kind of state that my eyes actually are so that when I get my eyes tested, it's a proper representation of my eye issues. 
And that was fine. And obviously I've got, got the glasses now. I find them very hard to get used to. I have to say that, which is why I'm kind of the reading glasses, but I'm kind of wearing them a bit more. It's because of this whole lopsidedness and angles being completely wrong, which is fine if you're reading. But it's just a, a concern when I'm drawing because, you know, I want to be able to see that it is actually the way it is, you know, rather because what it feels like, say, if I look at um, a tablet, say my Kindle, it looks like the top is much wider than the bottom. So that it's kind of a, it, that kind of a shape, you know, exaggerated slightly. And same with my drawing tablet, it, it's kind of, it, it skews out a bit. It's very odd. And then if I move in any kind of a way, lines aren't as well. So I rang the opticians, obviously, and I said, what's the story? It's just something you're going to have to get used to. Um, and it should take no more than a day. But it's this is day three and I still kind of have it. Not as bad as it was. I don't have the kind of nausea thing that I was having with it. Um, but still, it's, it's, I don't know. Anyway. That's me not talking about my eyes. I'll give it another couple of days, week at the most. And if it's still doing it, I'm definitely going to go back because um, as great as it is to be able to see things and read uh, in comfort, I'm not, not into this thing. It's an astigmata, which is not, you know, the Padrepio thing you get in your hands. It's uh, that your cornea is shaped wrong. And so, but it's like, I mean, which is fine. But like, I mean, you're not, I'm only meant to be wearing these glasses as needed. So, I mean, if it's really trying to, because they're saying that your brain is trying to readjust to, uh, this is going to make it see what it should be seeing, whereas your brain has been doing the adjustment, which is hence the strain. But if I'm only wearing the glasses for reading, obviously every time I take them off, or when I'm not reading or working on the computer, then it's, my brain is going back to the other way. And so there's, when is the, my brain going to adjust to something that it's not a constant? Anyway, I'm sure there's a proper reason for all that. Back to map. So since then, the kind of map thing I've been, I've been finding, and I mentioned this in the previous video when I was doing the reading, is that the sessions have been getting uh, less and less. So it started off as a really very relaxing, very kind of switch off, immensely kind of, you know, I felt like a weight was being taken off and there was lots of stress relief and all that, just in the session to the point that I was falling asleep in a couple of them. So now I've been finding it very hard to even get to 10 minutes uh, doing it. And it's a lot because rather than the normal kind of meditative state where there's a sense of control over your thoughts there isn't that kind of mindfulness involved in map you're just kind of meant to stay stay there and just describe in a sense any sensations you feel in your body um and not that they don't uh, you know the spirits the entities don't know what's going on it's so that you're acknowledging that you know what's going on so they can be aware of it or something along those ways so it's in a sense what, what i've found was that because of that my brain was kind of just going flying and I started thinking about work or thinking about creativity or things I wanted to do and all of that kind of stuff and then it, I get restless really really quickly and so it's just like I'm just sitting there going right I want to get back to work I want to you know I want to do this or I'll, I'll start thinking about whatever you know story or drawing or something and it just my mind goes way off which from the map point of view is probably fine because you don't have to be it's not an, a concentration exercise you're not doing the thing it's the outside forces are doing the thing but um it just means that i'm finding it very hard to just to sit there so um one of the things i was trying to do was kind of incorporate parts of alan chapman's magia fire um practice which is it it's an augmented version of don't this is not what it is but one of it is just to kind of just be just describe what's going on what's going around which is kind of like a noting or the naming, you know, for passing a type meditation. But he has a, a more to it where you just kind of become the fire that is creation and stuff that, that is reality. And so I was just kind of trying to be um, 
adding bits of that, but also a bit like the Daniel Ingram stuff of where he talks about in different interviews where rather than saying, you know, oh, noise or dog or barking or, you know, drip or wind or whatever it is, it's you just ping it where you just, you don't even, you know, say the whole name. You just bang, right, happen, wear that, wear that. Be, just acknowledge the awareness of the different sensations. So I've been doing stuff like that to try to um, keep my mind from you know, just falling apart or not falling apart, racing away. But then I suppose I'm not doing the map thing either. Like you should be just going, I don't know. I have to do something because <laughs> if I go into my session today and it's less than what was yesterday, I'm going to be basically doing three minutes today. Um, and it's 40 minutes minimum is what you're meant to be doing with the map session. I also did get one of the um, map uh, audio. It's not an audio book. It's like a lecture or a workshop or something from the website. I thought I had a bitter in, bigger insight into it. And I've, mostly I have four out of six um, files listened to it about an hour each, an hour and a half, something like that. And um, it's not really, I haven't learned anything more about what it is. Now, I probably should read the book again, but it's just I'm trying. I have so many books I want to read that it's just my time is so limited um, in the diff, in regards to what I can read. Like I'm still reading like the five books. I'm reading Pronoia, I'm reading that one about the green man, which is great. I'm reading Bill Drummond, 17, started it last night. It's great. I'm reading a book uh, that a friend of mine wrote. Um, and I'm sure there's other, there's a number. I'm still trying to read Steve Moore, Selena book. There's, it's just too much. Uh, so that to try and incorporate rereading a book seems like, you know, that's, it's not a high, high priority when there's so many um, new books I want to read. Such a brilliant problem to have though that I've far too many books that I want to read. What a wonderful problem. Definitely not. Um, I'm very grateful and appreciative of it. It's, it's one of those good problems. But yeah, so I'm just, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to go. I want to do it because at the initial stages were very relaxing. And I think that maybe, uh, maybe come back over some of the um, key bits in the book might be a thing or might look to see if, if someone has done videos about it or something. So uh, are you doing it? Are you doing any of this map stuff? I know a couple of people have contacted me and said they've bought the book or the, they had the book and they're rereading it and stuff like that. So I know there is there's more of an awareness of this book than uh, I was uh, yeah, aware of. I thought it was just like one of these kind of very novelty, not novelty, kind of rare books that you know, only I and a handful of people around the world know, but it seems to be obviously an awful lot more. It was a big deal at one point. So uh, tell me your tips and tricks on map um, or you know similar modalities or whatever or how you find that if you're doing kind of a healing session how you stop your uh, mind from racing away and uh, without you know, getting properly into a proper meditative thing because that's kind of again I have a very um, I have a brain that doesn't like to kind of waste time so if I'm drawing it it likes to have an audiobook on so that you're you know you're getting a full <laughs> you the full allocation of your time has been utilized to the to, you know the, the and optimized so I don't want, if the map session is to be a map session, I don't want my brain to then go, oh, we could also be doing a meditation here as well. So I don't want to, you know, I want to keep that separate. So anyway, advice, um, tips, trip, tricks, any of those things regard maps or healing in general. Um, you know, is there a better kind of system that I could be looking at? Is there, is there kind of a self-healing thing? Maybe, you know, some form of Reiki or energy healing or soul healing. Some people have told me a couple of things before. Uh, about um, different modalities that I should look into and I didn't I don't know oh, I, di I did and I was going to uh, do it and then the lockdown that's what it was I knew there was something there anyway I've gone to the rambling babbling idiot stage so it's time to end good people of the internet may all your healing be wonderful and may you have uh, never never run out of books to read may you always have too many books to read because that's a wonderful place to be 
and may your best days be ahead and be well. Yeah.